I'm Matt Hudgens, and he's Dave Mulvaney, and this is Profitability MD. Dave, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great, Matt. How about you? Life is good, my friend. Episode 143, Overcoming Obstacles in Business. This be a fun obstacle uh, to come overcome, right? So we thought we just have a conversation talking about, you know, business is never a rough, I mean, never a smooth ride uh, all the way up the top, right? There's always ups and downs all along the way. Thought it'd be fun for us to talk about that. You and I have had ups and downs along the way. Everybody has. That's the other thing, kind of like we talked about, everybody procrastinates. Everybody has ups and downs. And how do you get through them is, is an important part of being a successful business owner. Yeah, and I think that the thing about a lot of obstacles, and I'm going to call them obstacles, but these are areas where you hit in your business and it's a period of time where you really think everything is going to, it's going to crap, man. You're just, it's going to be, you know, there's no way through it. Um, I'll, I'll mention one in, uh, in 2001, um, I got sued by a supplier, um, a, because they couldn't keep up with supply. We, we had created more demand than they could keep up with. And so I wasn't, I had minimum orders. And so they sued me for $6.3 million because I cut off the orders because they weren't meeting the supply time. And of course, then attorneys get involved. Um, I got so far in, in, like in debt with the attorney, $130,000 I had spent and borrowed from my house. And I thought everything was going to go, you know, I mean, I thought I was going to lose everything. Um, ultimately, we settled, but it's things like that in business that you can never, um, you can never predict what the end looks like, but you just keep going every day. That's why I wanted to talk about some obstacles that people face in business. You've had them, you know? No, and it's great. I mean, you can even have, I uh, actually just got off the phone with one of my guys, uh, lost a big client, a big customer, a big client, a big customer. And that's always disappointing, right? Uh, good thing you got a bunch of different customers so, so the one customer won't crush you, right? That's the first thing you want is you might start your business with one, two, three clients, but then you got to diversify as quickly as you can. So when you lose a large client, it won't materially affect you, right? But our conversation today was exactly about that with, with him, which was, and I've lost clients too, right? Is it, all right, how do I improve my processes and systems so that doesn't happen again, right? Or that I, that I decrease the chances. You're always going to lose a client or a customer, right? Sure. And so you put in systems and processes to make it better for the next time. And so we were talking about him. How did he lose it? Why did he think he lost a client? You can ask the client themselves, hey, why, why did you leave? What are the, what could I have done? I understand there's nothing I could have done, but what could I have done if I was going to fix it, right? Um, and then you so, use that as the building block to how to do better next time. All right, so I wanna talk about like when you struggled in the real estate business and the, the, the decision-making process after the fact to say, how do I not end up here again? So let's, let's talk about when you were building and, the, and what you went through. I, I think it's a good conversation. No, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. So I used to do spec houses and, and flips, right? You used to do spec houses and flips. And we generally hired, uh, we acted as the general contractor, actually hired people to do the building and subs to do the building. Residential housing, big houses, a million to $2 million range here in the Atlanta area type stuff. Um, I tried to set up systems and processes, right? So I had the bookkeeper 
And so I, I'm, I'm big about embezzlement. 60% of businesses will be uh, exposed to embezzlement. So I wanna make sure we have a bookkeeper and that we got a system and process, checks and balances before any money gets released or any subs get paid. They gotta, they gotta sign the disclaimer because there's these, these things goes on with the subs that file a lien against the, the property. So we wanna make sure you pay them directly, sign a release and all these systems and processes in place. But when the real estate crashed in 08, you're right, you still get caught, you still get stuck, right? And, and, and so there are a couple of things that go on and what you learn from there. So one of the things which was really funny was the opposite or counterintuitive. So I have a lot of builder friends. What they did was they were so highly leveraged. There's a joke that, that these builders use. If, if I owe the bank a million dollars, I got a problem. If I owe the bank, whatever, $10 million, $20 million, the bank has a problem right? And so I'm financially conservative. So, so I did not over leverage. The drawback to that was they came after me for my money, right? I have friends who over leveraged, leveraged the crap out of themselves. So when the bank came to them, they didn't have any money. All the, all the money was in their wives' names. They didn't have any money in their own names. And the bank negotiated, dealt with them on a very favorable term. That's why the joke, you know, if you owe a million dollars, you got a problem. If you owe $20 million, the bank has a problem. They're going to work with you and negotiate. So I learned, I learned leverage the crap out of yourself is what I learned if you're going into real estate. <laughs> and, you know, and it's funny, the, the reason you get into real estate, the reason I'm in real estate is because of leverage. Um, yep. If I want to invest in mutual funds, I can't go to the bank and say, hey, I want to put 25% down in this great mutual fund. It's got great track record. I want to put 25% right. down and, and, and borrow 75% from you. They're like, we, we don't, yeah, can't we don't do, that. do that. Can't do that. But, but they do that in real estate. And, and so uh, the bank has a lot at risk. And the more you get them at risk, the, I guess the less trouble you're in. Um, well, the other great part of that, right? So, so towards the end, I lost a bunch of money, right? The, the, the houses, you know, blah, 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 blah. And you got to go back to the bank um, and negotiate with the bank. And, and um, the last two ended up being, I thought I was going to short sell them. I actually ended up selling them both for a loss, but we closed on the deal. But this is where, here's one of the lessons you learn. It's just a dollar amount. It's just money. I can make more. Right. So when you know how to make money and you have confidence in your business or in your business skills and acumen that you can make more, it's almost like this is a temporary blip. Once I get through it, let's look to the other side. And, and, and what I mean by that is I didn't want this to affect my other businesses. I have a, a investment advisory business. I have a coaching business over here. You don't want this one blowing up the real estate to uh, infect the other two businesses. So in that instance, you want to keep it isolated. You do that all with your legal structures, but still they're all kind of connected. So you got to come to the realization that it's just a number. It's just a number. That's number one. Number two, I will get through this. And when I get through this, I know I can make money. I know, I know how to make money. I know I can do this again. I know I can do it better on the other side. So that was a tough pill to swallow in that you're going to lose money. I lost money on the, on the last two houses. Absolutely. Lost a ton of it. Right. Um, but it was just a number and I've made more than that before that incident. And I made more than that after that incident, but I had to get through that so I can move on. Right. Otherwise it's a burden. It's dragging you down. It's pull, it's stress that I didn't even know that I had. Right. 
didn't even know that it was bothering me that much until the day that I signed the papers and we sold it for a loss and I had to cover the losses. As painful as that was, there was this absolute sense of relief that it's cut off, it's done. We've, we've pulled the Band-Aid right off, you know, and, and now we can move on. So, so the lesson you learn there is, one, there's always the other side. Markets crashed last year, right? Markets crash all the time, but they always recover, right? And so if you know if they're always going to recover, then this is just a bumpy ride. Is it a one-month bump like it was last time in March? Is it, which nobody knows in advance, by the way, is it a three-year bump like the 2008-9-10 recession? Markets took about three years to recover. But in any case, as long as you know they're going to recover, you can get through it. That's kind of how I view business now. When you know how to make money, you could recreate. If you had to start over, all these builder friends of mine started over tomorrow. They all started over, right? They all filed for bankruptcy. They all know how to build houses. They all just started over again. And right now they're in a boondoggle, right? Since, since 2010, real estate has been a fantastic. Being a builder has been fantastic. They knew how to do it. They knew how to do it better than they did it before. And they're just, and, and they're just rolling in it because of that. So they learned from their mistakes. They were able to start over from scratch. The way these guys do it is you start doing basements and kitchens and bathroom renovations. So you're not using your own money. You don't have to use your own money. You're not borrowing money from the banks. You're using the, the customer's money and you get back into it. You build basements, uh, bathrooms and, and bathrooms, basements and kitchens. Boom, boom, boom. You get started again. Then you start doing houses, spec, uh, you, know, you do custom houses for individuals. And then you can get back into your spec houses once you have built up your credit. But the point is they all just rebuilt and did it again. And they're all making as much or more money than they did before the 2008 crash. They didn't just cry and go home. Wow, wow, we lost money in 2008. I'm out, right? Which by the way, there's a whole thing about stock market people, right? That, that 20, Vanguard did a study, 27% of people sold at the bottom of the market. Lost money, never invested in the stock market again. They lost money, they got, but if they would have left the money in there, it would have recovered. The builders who got bankruptcy, they didn't just cry and change industries and go, wow, 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 I'm gonna go do something else. They just started over and did it uh, bigger, better, faster than they did before, and now they're rolling it. So I have a friend, Troy, who, is, who builds custom homes, very custom. I mean, uh, you know, three, four, five million dollar, six million dollar Ponte Beach, Beach homes. When he, when 2008 hit, he had, I think he had 31 spec homes being built at the oh, time. Wow. On a, and 17 of them were at a small local bank. The bank was <laughs> so screwed and yes. they were over a barrel. And, but you know what? And Troy did go bankrupt, but he's out there building those giant houses again. And he's got a great Back reputation, builds gorgeous houses. But in that, it's the same, like I, when you went to the stock market, I was thinking, you know, if you're, if you're in the stock market, let's say you're retired, you know, you're 65 years old and, and you just watch your portfolio go down $500,000. If you can, like you just said, if you can just say, that's just a number. Do I have my, let's say you're living off 75,000 a year. Do I have my 75,000 this year? Yes. Then don't worry about that. That number was going to go back to where it's going to be comfortable again. It's That's just right. you're looking at this number and the number went down, but it's fiction. All you need is your 75,000 to live. And so in business, I don't think it's much different in that I, I liken it to, I don't know many business people. 
who are successful who haven't lost their butt at least once. And I mean, That's lost very their butt. true. Right. Um, right. I mean, you know, I I had a, a company that um, in in two thousand and nine we were kicking butt, but I did fall predator to an embezzled a, a bookkeeper who embezzled from us, stole half a million dollars. She got prison time, but I borrowed a lot of money in 2009 to keep my company going and to keep my lifestyle going. Wrong decision, by the way. Um, <laughs> uh, not, not to borrow the money to keep my company going, but to keep my lifestyle going. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Lesson learned. By 2016, that debt load was too big because our business model had changed. A lot of things changed. And I, and I've, the company filed bankruptcy, but like you, all I needed to do was get the monkey off my back so right. I could start making money again. And yep. so the bankruptcy did not set me free because I did not file personally. I carried a lot of personal debt after that, because if you're in business, you know, the bank sometimes wants you to put your yep. signature. Exactly right. Yeah. So about a third of all the company debt was personally guaranteed. And, um, and I'm, I'm still paying that back today. But the, the fact of the matter is that when I face the obstacle, I have to say from about 2014 to 2016, if there's like overcoming obstacles in business, if there's one thing that, um, that Warren Buffett says, fail fast. Well, right. I knew it was over in probably late 2014. And I fought to keep it going, which meant I kept borrowing money. Right. I, start, I started borrowing from my 401k. I started doing dumb things, dumb decisions when I knew it was over. I should have just let it go in 2014. And if I did it then, I still had lots of assets. It's ultimately real estate that saved my butt because right. I, I, you and I, we talk about the four pillars of wealth. And if, you know, when you're going to overcome obstacles as your business does well, you've got to in, diversify into other areas. And I think a lot of people don't do that. They put all their hope and all their eggs in their one business. Yep. And, and so that I has to be probably the biggest obstacle I faced was, was a, a corporate bankruptcy. Um, but now, you know, that I went through it, my business life is so much better. I don't, ha I make, I make as much money as I did then. I don't have, I don't have the employees. I had 24 employees at the time of the, of the bankruptcy. I don't have that now. I have right. very few employees. I outsource a lot of things and I'm so, my life is so much easier. I mean, and that's, isn't that what, I mean, what I learned was, is I didn't want a business to consume my life again. Sure. Well, I'm always thinking about, we just say uh, simplify to multiply, right? We're, we're, I wanted the simplest version, the 80, 20 rule. What, what, what 20% of my actions produce 80% of my results. So you could cut out 80% of your stuff and still get the same kind of money, still get the same kind of results. Right. Those are the kind of lessons when you were saying that I heard, when I started my investment advisory firm, I started it in 2007, right before the crash, eight, nine, and 10. So I lost 50% of my revenue and my two biggest clients, right? Right there. So I, I'm out, I'm rolling it my first year. I was knocking it out of the park my first year in business. It was awesome. 2007 was a great year for the investment advisory business. 2008 and nine was terrible, right? Markets go down 55%, which means your income goes down 55%, plus losing two of my largest clients. It was like, holy smokes, I had gotten complacent or lazy because my first year was so easy. I wasn't doing all the things you're supposed to be doing. I wasn't doing all the stuff that we talk about now with, the, with your um, you know, 
fundamentals and your leads and your transactions and your and your profits and your conversions. I wasn't doing all that. That's when I figured this stuff out. I'd gotten complacent, like, oh, I'm doing really great. I really must know what I'm doing, right? Then you get hammered because of the eight, nine recession, revenues and losing two large clients. Then it was like, well, gosh, I better figure this stuff out. That's the truth where, where my stuff came from, where my coaching stuff came from, was you got to figure out what's your target market and what's your million dollar message? How are you different? You got to figure out what's your irresistible offer. You had to figure that out. Then I got to get more leads. I had to get in front of more prospects in my investment advisory business. Then I had to do a better job of closing those clients when I got in front of them, right? Then I had to get more wallet share. I don't just want a piece of it. I want all of it, right? Then I had to learn how to run my business for, for higher profits, right? Run a lean, mean shop, which I still do to this day. But all that came out of my losing more than 50% of this business, my second and third year in the business, right? And I, think, I think one thing that business teaches you is, um, is risk. Okay, there, there is, a, okay, when, when you're 22 years old and you're thinking about risking like $1,000 seems like, the, oh my gosh, I'm gonna risk this $1,000 on this investment. And, but as you go through business, you realize, okay, the biggest rewards have the highest risk. Well, I don't know if I'm going to take the highest risk. Uh, by the way, startup, right. startup businesses are probably the highest risk. It's probably less risk to buy an existing business that's, but there's, yeah. you know, but yeah. I always take the hard path, which is starting a business. Why? Because I know how to do it. I'm not afraid of it. Right. And I know the return is there, but there's somewhere in the middle where, where like, when I buy real estate, I know the market so well that I don't take the high risk properties. That's right. Because um, I know there's a, f a good return that can be had. Well, but even a, even a mid-risk property has risk and you can lose all your money. But the older, older I get, and I know you're the same, the more I'm willing to take chances, even before we got on this call, you were talking about some risk with some business coaches that you're considering. And the reality, what's the worst that can happen? I can lose a little money. It's just right, money. Right. Well, it's funny you say that. So one of the other talking about lessons learned during adversity, right? And you talk about risk management and, and there are a couple of lessons on that that I can come back to. But the one that sticks out right now is that we all get overwhelmed, not overwhelmed, swept away with the upside potential. Gosh, this could be a home run. This is the best business idea I've ever heard. This could be huge. This could be monumental. We could double our money, quadruple our money, 10 times our money, right? And so lessons I've learned over the years has, has, has the complete opposite, which is what is the absolute worst case scenario? What is the worst case scenario? And if I can handle that, manage that, be okay with that, the upside takes care of itself. So it's a complete opposite way most people view investments or risk. They're like, man, this is worth it because if it works, it's going to be 10 times the result right? No, no, no. Mine is the complete opposite, which is what is literally the worst case scenario. And if I can get comfortable with the worst case scenario, the upside takes care of itself. So one of my examples was I used to do what they call hard money lending. So you loan money to other builders who are building spec houses or doing flips, right? So in that scenario, what's the worst case scenario? The, the builder goes under, you got to take back the property, right? And then you'd have to go sue the builder to get his money, right? They had personal guarantees. He had an investor with a personal guarantee. I take back the property. 
I go after them. Turns out you can't go after them. It costs you more money than it is to get the money back from them. Okay. So, so personal, so here's a lesson learned. Personal guarantees when you're doing business is worthless. You want them, but it's worthless because it's so expensive for you to hire a lawyer and go get the personal guarantee that it, that it's almost, it's not worth it. I do want them and I require them in all my deals, but I know I'm never going to get that money because it costs me so much. It costs just to let you know when you say, so when I have my bookkeeper embezzle a half the money, yeah, yeah. we, it took us about 30 days to get a personal judgment against her because we had proof. Yep. It cost me $25,000 in attorney's fees in one month to get a, <laughs> to get a judgment against my own money. Yeah, and own I money never, and I never you. recovered a dime. Right. So that's it, what I'm talking about. That's exactly what I'm talking about. You spent 25 grand and you didn't get any of the 500 back. I got 25 um, grand in insurance money. And all I did is pay, that was my total insurance for, yeah. for th employee theft. And, and I paid it all to my attorney. So I didn't get any, yeah. so, get anything. So that's what I'm talking about. Take care of the worst case scenario. Right. So I took the property back and because I was in the business, I was able to, to, to fix it up and flip it, had somebody else handle it for me. So that was my worst case scenario. I was going to make money on this guy if he did what he was supposed to do. He didn't do what he's supposed to do. I took the property back, and then I was able to finish it off, have somebody else finish it off for me, and then I could sell it. So, so I always talk about it's the complete opposite view is what's the worst that can happen if I get comfortable with that or if I can manage that risk or, or take care of it, uh, then the upside takes care of itself. I'll tell you one other quick story that's related to that. So I used to work at SunTrust. I'm sorry. Used to work at a large bank and hedge funds. We won't we won't funds. say, but it's it has something to do with up in the sky, and you can trust them. So right, right. So, but uh, I was very fortunate. I put together a hedge fund for. I had a hedge fund of my own, and I put together a hedge fund for the bank themselves. I was able to go interview the top 32 hedge fund managers in the country at the time. What I learned from that is exactly what I've already just told you. I've spoiled the ending, which is it doesn't matter what their strategy was. It was their risk management that made them successful. So it didn't matter if they invested in tech stock or they invested in shorts. That means companies that are going to go down or if they invested in international companies or if they invested in government securities or bonds. None of that mattered. The best managers, the guys with the best returns, had the best risk management. How much am I willing to risk on this investment, on this uh, idea, on this industry, on this sector? So what I learned, and that's pretty much where I got it from, and then you combine it with what I just told you about some of the other personal real estate stuff, is that these hedge funds, the best hedge fund managers in the country, all came down to risk management, not their idea generation, not their execution of their ideas. It was the downside Protecting the downside and the upside takes care of itself. There's an old saying in, uh, in investing that says, uh, let your winners run and cut your losers short, right? So if you buy a stock and it goes down, it's a loser. Get rid of it. And, and then if your winner's up, let it go. We, as it's called behavioral finance, we do the exact opposite. If you have a $100 stock and it goes down to 80, I can't tell you 99% of people are going to hold on to that stock until it gets back to 100 Okay. Opposite. If that stock goes from 100 to 110, 99% of people are going to, oh man, I'm going to take my $10 and take it off the table. Okay. Scientific research, that's behavioral finance. That's what we do. 
The research says the exact opposite. You should have sold that loser. It's a sunk cost. Don't care about getting 80 to 100. It's what can I do with that money today that has the best investment? All right. The complete opposite is let it run. But the most experienced investors, it's a great point. Um, I used to invest in commodities a lot. Always, oh, yeah. always in orange juice. Um, it, and so if I was in, if, if I saw a formation that the, the market was going up, yeah, I knew I had this, this spread between where the market could go down to. I was always buying a put option under the spread when I go. was long in the contract. So if I was wrong, as it went downside. down, I, I would lose some money, but I'd never lose all the money because I was protected. That's what hedge fund managers do. Yes. They protect, yes. the, downside. protect the downside. So in business, that's that's where we're talking. Overcoming obstacles. Yeah, yep. bring it full circle. Yeah. How can you protect the downside? So when you're when you're considering um, let's let's say you're gonna hire some a marketing manager or a business coach to help you grow your business. What's the downside? Well, the downside could be they they get you zero results. If that's the case, it's normally because you as a client took no action on, on what they were teaching you. Um, that's a different animal than, than, than zero results. You should always go into something with an open mind. But when I say an open mind, what's the, what's the risk of hiring somebody to, to get you through mentally? I talk about them. I'm looking to hire another business coach um, in a specific sector in the mar- in real estate marketplace. And I'm looking at no matter what, I, I'm going to learn from them. Yes. And if yeah. I can learn, that's the most valuable asset I can acquire. That's investment in yourself. It's exactly right. And, right. and so I think a lot of business owners, they don't, the, the, the way to hedge risk in business is to continually hire others who can help you learn so that you can continue to mitigate risk in your business. I don't know your business unless you're in dog food or real estate or led lighting or coaching. I don't know your business, but business is pretty much the same. I mean, you know, the business fundamentals, right? Five ways to grow a business, more leads, more conversions, more transactions, higher pricing and more profits. There, there's the five starts with the fundamentals. Who's your target market? What's your uh, million dollar message and what's your irresistible offer? Those are the fundamentals no matter what business you're in. It's really and, great. And and people, it, it's easy, but why don't people do it? it I should say it's simple, maybe not easy. <laughs> simple, not easy. I like that. All right, we got to bring this full circle. Episode 143, overcoming obstacles in business. You and I had a good time. We could talk about this stuff forever. Everybody has them. Everybody have obstacles. Obstacles are the, are the raw ingredients of how to overcome failure next time right? That, that obstacles are just temporary and that you can learn from it. As long as you learn from it, you didn't fail. As long as you learn from it, you've improved your business. And as long as you get past it, then you, you got a chance to make money going forward, right? Quit, make, don't make the same mistakes. So us, what do we do? We do business coaching, right? We have a, a mastermind group, which is where we get groups of business owners together, where we talk about these ideas and we learn from the collective, right? We have the strategies and the tactics and we have the experience and we have the network and we have the support group, right? Three things to be successful. You need commitment, you need a roadmap, and you need a support group. Our group coaching has that. We got the roadmap and the support group. We need your commitment. Our irresistible offer right now, we can find any business owner, 50,000, 75, $100,000 in their business without spending a dollar more on advertising and marketing. 
We call that a profit acceleration session. That's our irresistible offer. That's our risk-free offer, right? That's our way to, we make money before you hire us, right? Those are all ways to reduce the risk for business owners. If you're interested in that, either one of those, our group coaching or our um, profit acceleration session, Matt at ProfitabilityMD.com, Dave at ProfitabilityMD.com. Hey, we all have obstacles to overcome. We've all been through it. We all do it. Get there faster with some help. Yeah, I mean, and that's the other thing is don't face the obstacles alone. A lot of business owners like go into their little cubby hole. I admit that's what I did. I put my head in the sand for a couple of years and it cost me millions. I will say that. So um, when you're facing that, get your head out of the sand and go get some help because yeah. it may not change the result but it may change how fast you accelerate out of there. Everybody's gonna go through the, the mountaintops and the valleys. And when you're in the valley, if you're alone, it's hard to find your path out. But if you have a guide, they'll take you out. That's you just exactly follow right. them. And so that, you know, that's what we, we do is we try to guide some entrepreneurs through some of those tough times so that you can get to the mountaintop quicker, so. That's good. I love it. This is a good episode, episode 143, Overcoming Obstacles in Your Business. All right, Matt, great show today. Bye -bye. Take See care. You. All right, bye.